and welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by James. How are you doing, James? I'm good. How's everybody today? Doing well. We have a special guest today coming to us all the way from Arkansas. Steve Shadrack is joining us. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Great to be with you gentlemen today. We're excited to have you on here today. Give us a, give us a little bit of history for our listeners, a little bit of your mission background, mission mobilization background. I grew up in Dallas and went to University of Arkansas and, and kind of uh, came to Christ during that time and, and got involved in campus ministry. That's kind of been my life time. Main, main work is campus ministry. And as we were doing evangelism and doing discipling, we also realized we were had a missing ingredient there, the missions and mobilization component. I had gone out and taken the perspectives on the World Christian Movement course out in Pasadena. My wife and I had. And I came back kind of a changed man. I realized that just reaching the campus is, is not the goal. That's a means to an end. And so each campus that that I was trying to minister on became a launching pad, a sending base to raise up workers and send out uh, to the nations. And we were doing that through short-term mission trips, like what you guys are doing with your organization, and and then starting to send out long-term workers and uh, and I was a, a college pastor at a church uh, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I loved that role, but I realized that I'm not really cut out to quite be the pastor role, but I love college students, so we started a ministry called Student Mobilization. So there it was, you mobilizing students. That's That's been going and growing now for, you know, 35 years or something. I can start something, guys, but if you leave me in charge too long, we might be in trouble. <laughs> uh, you know, people like that. And so um, I turn it over to the next generation within a number of years and let them really grow it and multiply it and and let me start over somewhere else. And um, so that's been kind of the, the thrust of my life is um, uh, trying to raise up great commission workers mm-hmm. uh, across the campuses in the U.S. and then uh, and then with an organization we started about 20 years ago called Center for Mission Mobilization. Mobilization.org is the website. Now our main focus is helping the body of Christ in other countries around the world uh, raise up their own missionaries and train them and send them to the unreached. And so we are in about 24 countries and we have um, about 26 to go. We've got 50 kind of target countries that we want to uh, kind of serve as they raise up their own workers. So that's um, that. That's those are some big pieces. And then a little resource ministry we started years ago uh, called Support Raising Solutions. If, if the greatest need is uh, is for laborers, Matthew nine, Jesus said, uh, we've realized the greatest obstacle of getting those workers spread out around the planet uh, many times is funding. So that's a big part of our. A training that we also do for workers around the world is how to raise your support, how to launch your ministry, and uh, that is support raising solutions is what that ministry is. So, well, Steve, one of the overarching questions we've been asking uh, during this series, we've had about four or five episodes talking about missions mobilization, is kind of what is the state of missions mobilization in America? I know you've, it seems like you've kind of shifted and you just talked a little bit about your shift towards mobilizing people in other countries. What would you say, you know, are things, is interest growing about the same? 
shrinking in America or is it just too hard to know? Well, you know, I just got back from two weeks in Ethiopia and, you know, that that's an eye-opening experience. Uh, people that are critical of our country just need to go spend some time in some Latin American countries, African or Asian, and see how easy we have it, how soft we have it, how and, and how many, um, you know, I, they're good and bad. Uh, they're, they're distractions, though. I mean, you know, it's, it's like I've never seen a generation as biblically illiterate as this generation of students, for instance. And in some ways, it's understandable. They grew up with all the Netflix and they grew up with all the video games. And they grew up, you know, with a, with a pad in front of them, you know, reading a 2,000-year-old book full of rules can seem awful boring compared to, you know, some exciting uh, uh, video game or movie or something. So, so I, I think we're in a challenging place as, as a country in terms of interest in missions. <clears throat> and so it becomes greater challenge to, in, the, in the realm of mobilization, I think. And so I'm still involved in, in, in working with churches and ministries across the United States. Uh, we're hosting a, a conference in May in Fort Worth for a thousand church-based and campus-based collegiate workers across the country called EDM 23, and that stands for Evangelism, Disciple-Making, and Missions, Mobilization. Uh, so we're trying to kind of serve the collegiate body of Christ, that's one group, to help them kind of get back to, if, if need be, and stay focused on the Great Commission. The last two and a half years, especially the combination of COVID and the culture wars have kind of uh, wreaked havoc across the mm -hmm. board on so many ministries, collegiate ministries, and people leaving the field and leaving the ministry. And so how do we get back to the Great Commission? And so that's one of my, my passions. But I will say this, interest in short-term missions is still strong. The number of long-term workers coming out of America uh, is is on a decline. I need to be honest about that. And so where are these 100,000 new long-term cultural missionaries that missiologists tell us we need to reach the two and a half billion cut off from the gospel? Where are they going to come from? I'd like to say good old America. You know, I'm, I'm flying my American flag out in front of my house. I love my country, but no, I, I think the majority of these workers are going to come from Latin America, from Africa, and Asia. And so we are doing a lot of mobilization work in the U.S., but by far, probably 80% of what we're doing is in Latin America, Africa, Asia, a little bit in Europe, uh, because our response is literally 10 times the number, 10 times what it is uh, here in the States. So I don't want to give up on America. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. When I, I was overseas with a certain org <laughs> that we won't mention for about 15 years, and the last few years of that, there was a real push to mobilize the East Asian people group to reach the various Muslim peoples. And there was some great joys. There was also some great challenges. In fact, there was a lot of... Recently, I got an email from a friend. They had a gathering where they were talking about mobilizing this group, and they had seen a lot of people come back early. So what are, as you've done that, you've shared some of the, the joys and, and the response, what are some of the challenges you've run into with, you know, either Latin American, African, Asian people groups that you're helping to mobilize? What are their particular struggles? Well, I think that Americans, we, to be honest, we're, we're a very ethno ethnocentric people. We're a very egocentric people. And you, you all probably train your 
your workers once they step on to that other country to try to be a learner, to try to be teachable, to try to be humble, try to be a servant. But it's just, um, you know, we, we step off the plane and we think we're in charge. We've never been to that country, but we think we know what we're doing. We know we're in charge. And why are you in charge? Well, because I'm an American. And, and not only that, I'm a sharp American. Not only that, but I'm a sharp, educated American. And so I think those people there, without us really realizing it, we don't have much self-awareness. They just see the, the arrogance just dripping off of us, you know. And so I think if we can go into these countries truly with a you must increase and we must decrease, we're in the back seat, you're in the front seat, we're here to serve. What can we do, do to help you? And so Acts 1-8 applies to them just like it applies to us. Mm-hmm. They're being called by Jesus, his final words, to raise up laborers and and, and go to the uttermost parts. So they want to, but they've just been so true. They've been so many of these countries have been so they're in such a mindset that they are a missions field. And, 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 you know, like Brazil, if we keep sending missionaries and money to Brazil, believe it or not, we're hurting more than helping because that continues to reinforce that they're a missions field when it is way past due that they need to transform into a, a, not a missions field, but a radical new missions force. And so that's really, uh, I think, one of the roles that the, that the American believers can play and the ministries like yourself can play in country after country. If we come in with a humble attitude and know that they, they want this more than we want it, and, and how can we serve, how can we encourage, how can we resource, uh, not by sending missionaries, not by sending money. Penance on the West needs to stop and they need to take full personal responsibility for raising up their own workers, for raising up their own money. And, uh, and for creating pipelines, you know, from Latin America into the Arab world, the sociological connections between the Arabs and Latins is unbelievable. We know where all the unreached people groups are. I've been studying them for 40 years. I worked for Dr. Ralph Winter for 12 years, and that was a big focus of ours with the U.S. Center for World Mission. But see, now we don't need to really study where the unreached people group, groups are. We need to study where the unsent people groups are. And so here we are 2,000 years after the Great Commission was given and over 200 years since Americans sent our first foreign mission team in 1812, and we still have 2.5 billion people cut off from the gospel. we got to do something different. In Arkansas, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, you know what we call that, insanity. we got to look at the Great Commission differently, outside the box. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole realm of mobilization not thinking we're the answer, but how can we serve the body of Christ in country after country after country around the world that have a strong number of believers, but they're not yet mobilized to send their own workers? That's That's got to be a big piece of the solution, I think. How do you feel like we go about that? That's a mystery. It really is. You know, I'm involved with a number of churches over the years here in the United States, and I love those churches. And what role can we play? I think it's mainly in the realm of training and resources. How can we provide the tools and the training so they can go through a process of identifying uh, among the body of Christ in their country who are the potential goers and to ve- learn how to vet them, learn how to prepare them, learn how to pull them into teams, learn how to either create a, a sending agency or, or choose the existing ones there in that country 
how to get them funded. That's a huge, huge issue. And then, uh, and then getting them over to the field and coaching them and shepherding them while they're there. How do we serve the body of Christ in these really Christianized countries around the world that are in close proximity to unreached groups, but have sent very few missionaries? Am I hearing you right? You're saying a lot of that's a function of us, even even us continuing to send missions to that is kind of reinforcing this idea that you're not ready. Yeah, with 50 million evangelicals in Brazil, I'll, I'll, I'll pick on my friends in Brazil. I was there a couple of years ago. We, we host something every other year on a different continent. We're in San Paulo called Global Mobilization Consultation. You guys need to come to the next one uh, in Turkey next year, but um, it was in, outside of San Paulo. So you get 400 frontier mobilizers from around the world, and man, you're talking and training and strategizing and praying and you learn a lot from from people from other countries, I guarantee you. And so that's they don't they really don't want Americans to come be in charge anymore. Right. They don't want to have to depend upon the West anymore. They want to take full responsibility for the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And so if we can have Americans with that mindset that we're not, you know, we're not the big shots, we're not the big dogs. We're coming in, we're saying we must decrease and you must increase. You know, I've been in Indonesia a number of times over the last probably eight or 10 years, helping a certain organization there create their own sending agency and, and identify and vet and coach and send their own teams. They now have 12 teams in unreached areas, this particular agency. I love working with them. Um, and it's ironic now that the largest Muslim nation in the country, I mean, in the world, Indonesia, with more Muslims, is now becoming one of the major sending nations. How how you know how ironic is that? Mm-hmm. So that that's really what we're doing is we, we we created something called the mobilization index. At some point, y'all need to maybe put that in your show notes or something. And and we're trying to make that available to agencies all over the world. And we've been probably we've been hiring researchers and interns for probably 10 to 12 years putting this together. And we're studying the 57 countries of the world that have over uh, a million evangelicals with all kinds of data and demographics and everything attached to this, this index. But the main index uh, item, in my opinion, is what is the number of evangelicals in that country versus the number of long-term workers they, that, they, that they've sent out. Sent out. Mm-hmm. And the, the bigger the gap, the bigger the disparity, the bigger the need, the bigger the opportunity. It's like a sleeping giant mm-hmm. with over 50 million evangelicals and, um, in Brazil, our studies are uh, somewhere between five and max of 15,000 missionaries. I just got back from Ethiopia, and they have 25% of the whole country is evangelical, mil- millions of believers mm-hmm. there. But but our, our guys there have done a lot of research, and, and, and this is hard to believe, but they, they say they can only find 20 Ethiopians that have actually crossed into another country, another culture, to be missionaries over the history of their of Christendom in Ethiopia, uh, so that you know that that's with millions of believers, but with a tiny number of missionaries. Boy, you talk about a mobilization opportunity there, and mm-hmm. uh, they know it. They know it. No, no mm-hmm. need to slap them around and make them feel guilty. Let's just get get them started. Acts one eight. Mm-hmm. 
As you were sharing, I just Googled that mobilization index that you referenced. This looks interesting, James. We're going to have to do a little looking through this, maybe talk about it some. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll put her in the show notes. All right. Steve, how do you add feet to the idea? How do you help them start mobilizing? And I'm a little bit like Brad. I didn't do a ton with it, but I had a little bit of, when we were overseas, a little bit of interaction with one of the people groups that was trying to go over overseas and do things. Yeah. And, and truthfully, a lot of it just seemed like a, like a lot of mess. And, you know, there's unique, I'm, I'm pretty sure every people group has unique challenges. Yeah. How do you add, how do you add feet to that thought? Like, where do you begin? Well, one tool, you know, we, we, we have a, a publications arm called cmmpress.org and you, somebody can go there and kind of see what the different offerings are we have. And it seems like we kind of focus on three. It's college ministry, it's support raising, and it's missions mobilization are kind of our three specialties uh, that CMM Press uh, is about. But And some things we produce, they sit on the shelf and gather dust, you know, mm. but a few things just seem to have a divine wind behind it. And so one of the tools, James, that that we've produced years ago, maybe 10 or 12, 14 years ago now, uh, is called Explore. And just the letter X, X, Explore, and I think there's a website, explore.org, but they could certainly go to CMM Press or Amazon or wherever and see that. But it's in 19 languages now. It, it was, um, it was it downloaded in 150 countries last year. Uh, it's just a seven-lesson little booklet that progression that we go with everything is God's word, God's world, and God's work. So let's find the biblical basis. Let's mm-hmm. then see what God is doing around the world, current status, you know. And then thirdly, what is your role? What are some opportunities, some roles that you can play to make a difference? And so that that booklet <laughs> is being used all over the world by tens of thousands as a as a starter, starter kit, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. how do you move some, from some, someone from zero to one in their, in their world missions, uh, knowledge and, 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 and passion. And so we're going after students. We're going after leaders. We're going after families. And so that explore booklet is, is one of the keys. One of our ministries to families has taken off like crazy, just called weave weavefamily.org is the website. So we're helping churches, and parents and grandparents and children in different parts of the world, different languages, and we're producing all kinds of resources. How do you build a heart for the nations in the next generation? And especially in a, a continent like Africa, where, you know, what is the average age, like 14 or something? You know, it's just like all, all young people, right? So I think the Explore booklet is a place to begin. We've created something called the Envision Seminar. I just was in uh, Ethiopia, and, and I, I, we created it 22 years ago, and, and I was fascinated to see what their most recent version of this. It's like a, a full-day mission seminar, four 90-minute sessions, country by country, and I'll bet you uh, I saw some stats. I'll bet you they've taken 25,000 Ethiopians through the Envision Seminar alone. Mm-hmm. So. Some diff- different tools, Kairos, perspectives, uh, are, are larger courses. And so, you know, I'll be in Egypt with some of our folks uh, in November, and we're teaching all kinds of Christian leaders and pastors and campus leaders how to use that Explore booklet. Because they're, they're doing, some of them are doing the E, the evangelism. Some of them are doing the D, the disciple making. 
but very few really connect the dots mm-hmm. uh, and, and do the M, missions mobilization. So we're trying mm-hmm. to help ministries around the U.S., around the world, not just be a ministry, but a movement. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference. And one of the key characteristics of a movement is they've got the M. They've got the missions mobilization. They're not patting themselves on the back by how many people are coming to their church service or coming to their, their large group meetings or how many in their Bible studies. Those are all great measures. But Pastor J.D. Greer, you know what he said. He says, don't measure your success by your seating capacity, but by your sending capacity. We, we got to get that into our brain mm-hmm. that our success is not tied to numbers sitting in warm bodies, sitting in seats, mm-hmm. but, but how, many, uh, how many laborers, how many workers, how many great commission workers are raised up and sent out to the nations. That's got to be, got to be our, 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 our highest measure of success. So this mobilization index, it's, it's a key tool that some groups are using. We want a lot more groups to use them mm-hmm. because country by country, it'll help that ministry, that organization to discern should we be sending missionaries to this country or should we be sending mobilizers to this country? And if you get that mixed up, you actually may be doing more harm than good. Mm, that's good. Well, I know uh, we're using a tool just this semester with our staff. We're looking through that. that I think is a Center for Missions Mobilization tool. It's called Go Mobilize. That's been helpful as we kind of discuss. We're in our mobilization season, just kind of starting into it. So that's been really useful. We also, so uh, this podcast is probably primarily listened to by our alumni, people that have gone on a short-term trip. Now they're back and they're trying to figure out how do I, what do I do next? How do I stay in the game? If there's one thing you could tell a student that came back from uh, going overseas on one of these summer trips, six to eight weeks, one thing you would hope that they would do, what would that be? Well, I think, you know, this there there's some, standard answers to that but i i I just i was i was teaching about this passage to some ethiopian campus workers here recently how to mobilize students and really matthew 9 36 through 38 is the sneakiest most dangerous verse in the whole bible i mean jesus he gave the big picture problem the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few you know and so you would think he'd say now get out there and start witnessing well, no, he, he, that wasn't step one. He says to pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers in his harvest. And so uh, you, you get an Operation World, a copy of Operation World or, or on your mobile phone, or, and you get your key guys and your students, your lay people, you know, uh, going through an explore booklet together and praying for different countries of the world and getting in front of a world map and really really starting to pour out your heart to raise up laborers in, in a lot of these unreached areas. Well, Jesus, very sneaky, very sneaky. He knew that if you're starting to pray for the world, starting to pray for labor, starting to pray for the unreached, that at some point you're going to get a tap on the shoulder and God's going to say, I, I'd like to answer your prayers. Oh, yes, Lord. <laughs> what What's the answer to my prayers? I've been praying for laborers. You told me to, to send to Morocco and Send in a Paul, send a, you know, yes, I'd like to answer your prayer, Steve, and you are the answer to your prayer, you know. In other words, you've now become the laborer that you've been praying for. And so it's a sneaky, dangerous prayer. But if someone is consistently praying for the world, there's something God does in their heart. 
in terms of their perspective, their vision, their passion, their role, what kind of roles they want to play, their finances, they want to become a sender. Uh, so I'm not sure God's up there wringing his hands, hoping that someone will be a, you know, a missionary rather than a, a, a brick mason or something, I, you know, or where he's living in Thailand or, you know, Tyler, Texas. I think there's bigger fish to fry, so to speak. And it's, and it's really the glory of God, the evangelization of the world, the Lordship of Christ. And there's nothing that tests the Lordship of Christ in our hearts more, I think, than, um, you know, be willing to pray that old Luther Wishard prayer, the guy who was behind the student volunteer movement. Uh, when he'd gone back to that haystack prayer meeting, got down on his knees that February day in the snow, and he just said, Lord, I'm willing to go anywhere at any time to do anything for Jesus. And so uh, if we can get people to a point like that, I think they're willing to uh, to find their role and to make those sacrifices. But I think we've got to back off our patriotism and nationalism a little bit and not think that we are the center of the universe and that the body of Christ in these other countries is just as legitimate, just as called as we are and how we can truly play a humble backseat servant role to them. That's going to make a difference in the years to come. That's how we're going to re- fulfill the great commission is raising up tens of thousands of workers from Latin America, tens of thousands from Africa, tens of thousands from Asia. We want to flood the nations. We want to flood the nations with great commission workers. That's what we want to do. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Well, James, I'm going to pitch it to you for kind of final final questions or thoughts here. I was just going to ask, kind of based on this, when you look, because you have a really, I feel like a nice big picture. What do you feel like 20 years from now, 50 years from now, what does missions look like? There's the, that question, and then more specifically, because most of our audience is American, what does it look like for Americans? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to say that I'm very optimistic, and maybe, maybe things will change. You know, uh, 77,000 people a day come to Christ around the world, praise the Lord, mm-hmm. but only seven out of those 77,000 are in the global north. That's where we are. We got all the money and the seminaries and the preachers and the books and the churches and the denominations and, you know, et cetera, but only a trickle of response, 10 times that number, 70,000 a day are coming to Christ in the global South. They, and a lot of them have nothing. They got, they got no resources. You know, I got some questions when I get to heaven, Lord, what, what's <laughs> up with that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, why is God working so dramatically in these other parts of the world and not as much here in the States? Um, what is what is holding the flow back here? The other part of Luther Wishart's prayer, the the really the founder of the student volunteer movement, that second part of his prayer that day in February of 1878, he was down in the snow there at Williams College, where the Haystack prayer meeting had taken place 70 years earlier. The second part, after he said, I'll go anywhere, anytime, anything for you, Lord Jesus, he then said, Where water once flowed let it flow again. And that was his prayer. Where water once flowed, let it flow again. So that's one of our focuses, Lord. It, it flowed once during the Haystack prayer meeting or during, during you know, during the student mm-hmm. volunteer movement like that. Let it flow again. What, what What's stopping the flow? And so, uh, you know, we got to answer that as American Christians. What is stopping the flow here? Uh, and we're trying to help the body of Christ in Latin America answer that question and in, in, in Asia and in Africa. 
So um, my dream, my prayer is that Americans would would have a, a, a revolutionary change of perspective and and come like Mark 10, 45 says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so what if we as the body of Christ here could humble ourselves and we could start to, to, to go into country after country after country truly as servants and take the blessings we've been given. We've been mobilized. Okay, now let's let's pass those mobilization principles and resources on to the body of Christ and these other continents. And I think if we can do that, then we're going to see the body of Christ in these 50 or 57 other Christianized nations be radically transformed from mission fields into mission forces. And that's how we're going to fulfill the Great Commission. Well, I'm with you. I sure pray that there's a movement of God here. And uh, we hope and pray that all, all the things that you got your fingers in, that they're all uh, productive for the kingdom of God and that you really do, do begin seeing seeing some movement out of some of these other nations. And I'm, I'm looking forward. I want to check out that mobilization index you talked about. That'll be really interesting to look at. It's in process. We, we, we're, now we're doing deep dives in each country, uh, not right. just these stats, but deep dives. And we've got researchers from Operation World and Joshua Project and different groups. And we got interns in here that are college students that are working on, you know, so country by country, deep dives. So we can truly know how we can help that particular country. I could give examples of other countries, but how do we help them? What are the needs, the true needs? So they'll take full responsibility. So Americans, we can pray. Uh, let's keep sending short-term trips. Let's keep sending long-term workers. Let's see maybe more and more of them go as mobilizers. Well, Steve, really appreciate your unique perspective on these things and appreciate your time. I know you've got a lot on your plate, so thanks for giving us uh, 45 minutes here of your time. And uh, we look forward to hearing more about some of the mobiliz mobilization efforts you guys are into. And uh, yeah, thank James, thanks for your efforts as well. Always <laughs> good to be with you. Yep. You guys too. Great to be with you guys. Well, we'll see you all next time. 